listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. Good morning. I'm very humbled and excited to share with you guys today. The series has been really fun, has it not? It's been really cool. I'm the queen of, um, I'd like a how-to manual in life. And sometimes there's situations we run into when we go to the Bible and we're like, well, where's the, how do I handle this situation? And the Bible truly is a how-to manual, but sometimes it takes some digging and some intense study and sometimes other people's intense study to help us kind of find those keys. And so um, I'm really excited to share with you guys some keys that I found in the chunk of scripture that I've been studying over the last several weeks. Um, And I truly feel um, this morning during worship, Bethany, (laughs) made me cry. Abby, I was crying. Um, There's uh, a struggle in my life that I've been experiencing the last few years. And when I started studying on the the scripture I'm going to share with you guys today, um, God was like, no, 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 you need this. I was like, but I'm going to, I want to study God for, you know, to share with my church family. And he's like, well, start with you. And I was like, okay, I don't want to, but okay. And um, it's interesting because that specific situation that's been a struggle in my life over the last several years, it came at me hard this morning when I was sitting out in the car praying. When I was sitting in here, um, the real life part of that contacted me. And I was like, not today, Satan. No, no, no. This enemy of struggle, this enemy of pain is not going to get me today because I really feel like I have a word for you guys. And the enemy was trying to distract me from, from that. And I'm not going to allow it because there's something that God wants to impart in you today through this series. So I chose Joseph. When Pastor Steve called me and said, we're doing this series, who do you want to pick? It's first come, first serve. I swear he does that because he wants me to panic pick somebody just so that he can put me down. So he's not like, you know, left hanging on. But I picked Joseph because I had just been reading about Joseph in the Minecraft Bible with my son, and there was these blocked llamas and blocked people, and it was fresh in my head. And it's really kind of neat because most of you know some, if not all, of the Joseph story, right? And it starts out with him in Genesis 37 of him about being 17 years old. I know you're still standing. I will let you sit in just a second. We're going to pray. But my point is that he's 17 years old, and he's kind of a turd biscuit, okay? He's a little bit unaware. He's kind of an idiot. Um, You know, not like any of the teens we have in this house at all. But we find him 20-ish years later over here, the second in command of Egypt, Um, displaying some aggressive forgiveness with his family, reconciling his entire family, which is a huge family. He's one of 12 kids, of 12 boys. I'm sure there's a bunch of daughters in there too, but they don't get the billing. They should, whatever. So he has this huge family and he's able to reconcile it all. How did he do that? How did he go from being this little idiot to this amazing guy, right, in this 20-year span. Well, there's some keys that he used that we're going to talk about today, okay? You guys ready for it? All right, so we're going to pray really quick. God, thank you for today, Father. We just pray over these people today, over your words, Jesus, that you would help us to learn and grow and of all things grow closer to you, God. Impart in your family, impart in me, Jesus, what you have for us today. In your name we pray, amen. You guys can all be seated. Did I beat Pastor Steve for longest intro ever? Mm -hmm. I hope so. Okay, so first things first, we are in Genesis 37. Um, Joseph's life, if you're familiar with Joseph, he is, you know the fathers of our faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob? Joseph is Jacob's son, if you need some reference. He's second to youngest, um, and he happens to be dad's favorite. And if I'm, I'm a parent, so if I'm looking at that situation, I'm like, what is that? Wait, what? You have a favorite? Rude. Um, So... 
I need that timeline up here. Can I have that chance? So I want to give you a little bit of story um, of timeline, and then we're going to get into the chunk of the meat of the service. Ready? Okay, so we start here. He's 17 years old. He's kind of an idiot. He has this gifting for interpreting dreams, but he's really bad at it, okay? So he's made his brothers like total enemies. It's partially dad's fault, actually, because Joseph's a favorite. That's not normal. You don't have favorites. Well, you can have favorites, but it needs to rotate regularly so everyone gets to be a favorite here and there. Um, but uh, he's 17 years old, and his brothers hate him, hate his guts. So they sell him to the, these Ishmaelite traders um, when they're going by. They literally sell their brother. Have you heard of child trafficking? Right there. They sell their brother. He's 17, and he thinks the world revolves around him. And now he's a slave in a country and a land in which he can't speak the language. Whoa. That's a big change of life, okay? So he's sold off to this guy named Potiphar. He works for Pharaoh, kind of a, you know, serious dude. Um, but he works for Potiphar. He gains favor with Potiphar. He's given a lot of responsibilities. And then Potiphar's wife is like, hey, Joey. And Joseph's like, uh-uh, no, 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 no. She's like, but, hmm. And he's like, no. And she accuses him of raping her. Didn't do it. Um, so, of course, he's thrown back in prison. So now um, I'm not exactly sure how old he is in this period of time, but from when he's trafficked by his brothers till he gets in prison. Um, he finds favor with the um, chief of the, the prison. He gets responsibility. He's in charge of the prison. Lots of things going on for him. Um, he then meets Pharaoh's cupbearer. He's about 28. That's a little more than 20 years, or sorry, 10 years later, about 11 years later. It's a long time, right? Think back to 10 years ago, all of you. It's a good chunk of time. So he's now about 28. He interprets this dream for, the, for Pharaoh's cupbearer. And he's like, don't forget about me, okay? When you go back to Pharaoh, tell him to set me free. And cupbearer's like, I got you, Joe. I got you. Goes back to Pharaoh, completely forgets about him. Joseph's like, oh, <laughs> are you kidding me? So he used his, his gifting, helped the cupbearer out. Um, cupbearer goes back to Pharaoh, forgets about Joseph. Two years go by, and Pharaoh has this dream. He's telling his, you know, his cronies about it. And Cupbearer's, whoa, 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 wait a second here. Nobody can interpret your dream. It's really bothering you. I know this guy. Finally remembers Joseph, pulls Joseph up, up out of the depths of the prison, brings him before Pharaoh. He interprets Pharaoh's dream. And the, the gist of the dream is, I'm going to ruin the ending for you guys. Is that okay? The gist of the dream is that um, Pharaoh has this uh, dream that there's going to be seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. This is Joseph's interpretation of it. Pharaoh says, wow, okay, well, we got to do something to prepare. Joseph, will you be in charge? And Joseph's like, okay, fine. So he ends up handling all the food for seven years. Seven years goes by. So now he's 37, okay? It's been 20 years since he saw his family. Then the seven years of famine start. It's a long period of suffering, a long period of time. And he um, ends up Again, spoiling the story. His brothers come from a faraway land because there's no food. Joseph recognizes him. He's and like twice as old as he was last time they saw him. They don't recognize him. There's this huge, there's a lot of stuff that happens in there, and it's not relevant to the keys that we're going to talk about. But he's able to display some really aggressive forgiveness and bring reconciliation to his whole family. He's able to see his dad again. His own, Joseph's own children are able to meet their grandpa. And we end Genesis in chapter 50-ish about um, with Joseph's death, but he did such huge things. It says, I read four or five translations of this story. Um, the famine was so that it said the world was in famine. Now, I mean, whatever the relevance of world is, you know, it could be just like that, that Mediterranean area, or, um, Northern Africa. Um, it, another translation said the nations nearby were in famine, but he did a huge thing for thousands and thousands of people and also his family. Okay. how do he do it? How do you go from being a little idiot 
you're just spouting off stuff, to being in this huge area of responsibility. Well, there's one thing that I noticed when I was reading, and this is the same in every translation, about how Joseph approached using his giftings. It was in his verbiage, all right? Have you ever been around someone who doesn't explain things accurately? Yeah, it's kind of hard to believe them a little bit, and it's also kind of hard to follow them. Okay, so we were at the dunes. We've been home for a week, okay? Does anybody like to go riding in the dunes? <laughs> okay, so it's not my favorite. Side-by-sides, going to the grocery store, going to the ball field, sure. But side-by-sides up a giant sand hill, I'm a little terrified. I just can't imagine that there's not going to be another side-by-side coming straight at me to, like, make a giant crash. So I'm not a huge fan of the, the sand riding, but a lot of the people are, the kids, the teens, they love it. Okay, fine. So I'm like, all right, I'll go on my one sand ride, all right? We get all the way out there, and we're like, and I'm like, okay, hang on here. Get to the very end, and I'm not going to tell you who did this, but you guys can probably infer, okay? So our car stops, the car next to us pulls up, and we are all on the same radios, and he go, the driver goes, hey, do you want to go to the beach? It's just right over there. And I was like, oh, whatever anybody wants to do, I don't need to make the decision for the group. And he goes, yeah, but it's just right over there. Do you want to go? And I was like, oh, I don't, whatever, it's fine. I don't know, whatever, you guys. And he's like, do you want, it's just right there. And I was like, clearly he wants to go. I guess we're going to the beach. I'm like, so I say, sure. <laughs> Hands up if when someone says it's right over there, you think a couple corners in there. Do you think that? Come on, I want more hands up because I'm pretty sure right over there means this and then boom, we've arrived, right? Yes? That's not what it meant. Do you guys know what a whoop is? If you don't know what a whoop is, when you're in the sand, it's like a speed bump, but it's not just one speed bump. It's like like this, like you're in Mario Kart. They're like this. And if you go really fast, it's like da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and it's not so bad. But if the road is like this... You can't go fast. So you're like, and you're going like this, but also like this. And when you're doing that for two miles of right over there, no, that, that's not accurate description. You get really car sick. But by the time you reach the beach, you're like, oh, it's beautiful out here, but I'm going to barf. Correct claiming of things is very important. And we see that in Joseph's story. Okay. If you, don't, if you don't claim God over things in your life, you're going to end up on a two-mile whoopee, curvy, right there, traveling to the beach. And you're going to be sick by the time you get there. Joseph had that issue. And we see in chapter 37, verse 6 through 8, when he's a little turd biscuit kid. We're over here, right? This part of the timeline. He's talking to his brothers. And he's like, you guys, guess what? I had this dream. There was these shafts of wheat. And they stood up. And then these other 11 shafts of wheat, mine was the one standing. Yours was not. They all bowed down. And his brothers are like, you got to be kidding me right now, you little punk. Right, so we're supposed to, you are going to be our king. Joseph's like, hmm, I don't know. I can see it. All right. Not effective, right? Not effective. His brothers hated his guts and then sold him. But we see in Genesis 40, um, verse 8. This is when he is with Potiphar. No, sorry. This is a cupbearer right here. He's about 28 years old. Um, The cupbearer says, I had a dream. And he says, right off the bat, interpreting dreams is God's business. That's a big difference, right? He didn't get the um, outcome he wanted out of that interaction with with the cupbearer, right? He wanted to be set free. But what happened was he planted the seeds, but he took his focus very directly to God. Very directly. And so he talked to the cupbearer. He interpreted his dreams. And guess what? His dreams came true. And it planted that seed because he told the cupbearer what was going to happen. You're going to be reinstated. But do you know what? The ba- there's the baker down there too. I don't talk a lot about him. It's not listed up here. But guess what happened with the, the baker? 
And this is why the cupbearer believed Joseph, because he interpreted the cupbearer's dream, going to be reinstated. But before he actually left the prison, the baker's like, ooh, do me, do me, do me. And Joseph's like, uh, you're good. You don't need, I don't need to tell you your dream. He's like, please, 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 I want to hear it. Joseph's like, I don't think you do. He's like, yes, yes, yes. So he's like, well, you're going to be impaled on a pole and the birds are going to peck your eyes out. Yeah, ouch. That's why Joseph didn't want to tell him. But guess what? It came true. And so the cupbearer knew that, all right? So he planted those seeds. And so two years later, after two more years of suffering, Pharaoh is like, Joey, come on, get up here. He gets up there and he says, I heard that you can interpret dreams. And instead of Joseph saying, yeah, it's two miles whoopee to the beach, he's like, no, it's beyond my power. Sorry, I spit. It's beyond my power to do this, Joseph said, but God will tell you what it means. He put that claim right on top of it. See, we all have giftings in life, right? But if we're not using them to aim people back to God, our giftings are not being used in the way in which they're intended. Um, so I have one of the gifts that I have in my life, and it's a physical building, but I consider it a gift is the studio that I own, that we own. Um, we have our house, and it looks like Tyler got a sister wife because there's a little tiny house next to it, and that's my portrait studio. <laughs> if you don't know me, I'm a portrait photographer, and I, have, I do newborns and babies and families, and I do a lot of it in the studio. And it's kind of abnormal to have an extra building right there, right, um, next to your home. But I feel very blessed by it. And I had someone come in this week, and I've photographed her grandkids and her daughter for years. And she had never been there. And she said, wow, you're so lucky. And I was like, oh, I'm blessed. God bless me with this building. One of my goals every time people come to my studio is I have a goal. I have one of three things, okay? I bring up God in one of three ways. I mention that I'm blessed because there's a compliment about my building. God bless me with this building. Um, the second one is if someone has an issue that, that's upcoming, I will either drop things right then and pray for them, or if there's, you know, you get vibes from people. If it's not appropriate at the moment to pray, I will say, what day does that take place? I'm going to pray for you on that day. I'm going to follow up with you on that, see what God does for you there. Or I'll talk about you guys. I talk about you guys all the time. Do you know that? I'm a little gossip. So I, <laughs> there's always one of you that will remind me of someone in my studio. So, well, you know, my friend Jalise, she's just like that. She reminds me of you. You guys are so sweet and loving. You're just like my friend. Or I'll be like, you know, my mama Barb that I have at church, and I'll, I'll relate something there. So you guys help me bless others. Do you know that? Because it's important that whatever, whenever someone's in my studio, that there is like a God focus, that there's an acknowledgement that God is in my life. Because that is a gift. And using our giftings to glorify God is what it's all about. When Joseph was using those things to glorify God, he was fruitful. We all want fruitful lives, right? I mean, we're all a little bit of a turd biscuit in our own way, right? But we all have this possibility of a future of like great abundance. I believe in our church. I believe in the individuals of our church that there's big things like second in command over a nation type of blessing over us if we're following through with what God has for us, right? Okay, so in um, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, it says, so it is with you. Since you are eager for the gifts of the spirit, try to excel in those and uh, the things that build the church right? So I see that a lot in this church. Um, I see, you know, Bethany making me cry at church. She's using her gifting at church. Um, I don't know if the water houses, there's some water houses here. I don't know if Ryland's here today, um, but she is one of those that sticks out to me as a using her gifting to um, further the church big time. Now, is she here today? I see Victoria. Is Ryland here? Not here. Okay. So she's probably going to be watching this later online, but she's one of those really amazing people. She's had some struggle in her life. She's had some challenges that she's had to overcome. 
And I've talked with her a little bit about it. Um, and she's still working on overcoming those things. But girl gets down when she works with the kids in kids' church. She studies the lesson. She, works, she has to work really hard on it because of some of her challenges. And she does. She works super hard to prepare herself all week to work with the kids. And then she uses this immense gifting that she has with little kids. Did you know not everyone can relate to little kids really well? Eden and I were talking about this. Some kids are like with 10-year-olds, they like know exactly how to play. Some kids with two-year-olds know exactly how to play, but not both, right? And some people have no clue what to do with children. Rylan is really, really good with kids. She's furthering her church by working with children. You know that? Um, Christopher, you're here, yes? Okay, so you are one that uses your giftings in church. You know that? Are you going to, yeah, yeah, okay, so you're like, yeah, you use your giftings in church. I've known you since you were a child, and there was a period of time where you weren't here, and we missed you immensely, and you were prayed for, and now here you are every week. I never know what color of shirt you're going to be wearing, because you're helping here, and you're helping there. You have this huge smile on your face. You're using your giftings to serve. You are furthering the church. It's, it's such a blessing. Well, our church can move forward if we're using our giftings, and that's something that Joseph was able to figure out, that if I'm using my giftings to God, whoa, what can happen? What big thing is going gonna, is gonna to happen out of this? His was bigger than he ever expected. Do you think he expected to be second in command? Coming from this like situation, I can't even speak the language, to now I'm in charge of all of you. It's incredible. There's a Joseph blessing and a Joseph prosperity on him, clearly, but it's for you too. Just like Abby was singing, like, I've seen metal plates dissolve. Like, I've seen these miracles. I've seen cancer disappear. Yeah, the things that happen in the Bible, those are things that can happen today because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're going to build our church if we're using our giftings. If you don't know what your gifting is, if you're like, I don't have any of those things, 100% you do. If you have trouble identifying that in yourself, because sometimes we do, um, ask a leader. Ask someone you trust. Um, find somebody that smiles nice to you at church that looks friendly and say, hey, can you help me discover my gifting? Because sometimes people can point things out in you that you don't know about yourself. Um, and also too, another thing, pray about it. Ask God. There's nothing wrong with saying, God, I need some giftings. Give me some giftings. He's probably going to give you some responsibility with those things too. Just, just watch out for that. Is that good? I got through my first point. Whew. I only have two because no one ever gets to their third point. No one does. Okay. <sighs> don't, yeah, not you. Okay. So, um, the second one is a little bit more personal for me, my second point, because um, it's, it's, this, is, this is where God was like, hey, get control of this. So there's a situation in my life that's been going on for a couple years, and it's intensely painful. And I've recognized that that pain, sometimes I'm like, I got it. It's all right. It's fine. You know, we're good. And I have a, like this mental understanding of what's going on. And then there's other times where it's like, I could just cry. It's so hurtful. And I recognize that though that pain is influencing and coloring some of the relationships in my life. And that's not what should be influencing and coloring the relationships in my, my life. Jesus and who he is in my heart should be coloring and influencing those, those relationships in my life, right? Yeah. And so I look at Joseph, and I'm like, all this time of suffering, he was sold totally just like, you know, sold down the river by his brothers, Somewhere that he ends up in Potiphar's house, and he's a really hard worker. Do you recognize that? When you read through um, in chapter 37, um, let's see here. 
he, oh, I didn't write down all the things. So Potiphar was, first he has him as his, you know, like his household slave. And then he sees that God's blessing is on him. And so he gives him more and more responsibility to where he's over all of Potiphar's servants. He's over his household duties, over Potiphar's finances, over his um, crops, over his livestock, everything that meant anything to Potiphar, Joseph was in charge of. And that tells me that Joseph was a really hard worker because you don't give more responsibility to people who are terrible at it someone's not doing well at it, you don't give them more to do. You don't give them more responsibility if they're not trustworthy. Um, And then the same thing happens when he goes to the jail. The chief jailer recognized there was a blessing on Joseph. I'm going to read that to you guys. Ready for that? Okay, so when he's with Potiphar, uh, chapter 39, verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph and blessed him greatly as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. So Joseph naturally became quite the favorite. Also, when he's in the prison, so he's, it's in this area here, before he meets the cupbearer, the Lord was with Joseph there too. And he granted Joseph favor with the chief jailer. And before long, the jailer put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners. Over everything that happened, the chief jailer had no more worries after that because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him, making everything run smoothly and successfully. So clearly, very hard worker. But additionally, You don't give this. Okay, this is a matter of, you know how two plus two equals four? But if you see a math problem that says two plus blank equals four, you also know that there's a two there, right? Without it needing to be said, yes? So it goes without saying, I'm not really making a leap here. Joseph could not have been a complainer because it says that the Lord was with him. Potiphar noticed that there was a blessing. How many people that are like, oh, my life's terrible. I hate this. This is boring. I don't want... How many of those people do you be like, oh, God's blessings on you? <laughs> Not really. No, right? You're like, oh, you need some more Jesus. So his attitude had to have been of the positive, right? Yes. Just because it doesn't say two plus two equals four. I know two plus two equals four. So he had to have been positive. He had to have been, um, you know, like uplifting, right? And we know that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, Yes. So how did he keep his heart from being whiny, complainy? Because that comes from the heart, right? Yeah. So he had to have had, this is my, my assertion, he had to have had a heavenly focus. He had to have had his heart trained on God, like, God, my circumstances suck. Am I allowed to say that up here? They're terrible. My circumstances are, I said turd, so it's okay. Everything goes, I said turd. So he had to have had a heavenly focus. Because there's no way that if he was negatively focused that people would have seen God just dripping off of him. So how did he do that? Because all of his circumstances said, you should be negative. All of his circumstances said that. Has anybody else had a circumstance where you could just kind of get bogged down? Like my painful circumstance sometimes bogs me down. When he was, in the, when he was working for Potiphar and Potiphar's wife accused him of raping him and he, said, he had said no. He denied her several times. Multiple times she propositioned him. He did the right thing. And he was still suffering the consequences of the thing he didn't do. How many times have you been in a situation where you did the right thing and people were upset with you and mad at you and you had to bear the consequences of the thing you didn't do? Oh, that's painful. That's so painful. And again, when you do the right thing, like when he did with Cupbearer, he used his gifting, he gave credit to God, and he was forgotten. How many times have you suffered from the hands of just being forgotten. You help that person and then they just walked away from you like you were nothing. Oh, that's painful. 
Joseph was able to conquer it. How did he do it? That heavenly focus. I firmly believe that the way that Joseph was blessed, the way that he was able to train his thoughts, that, that is where it's at. There's things that go through our head. Like for me, it's my pain. For you, it might be my body is, is unwell. It'll never be well. Maybe you have you know, a, di- a learning disability. I'll never conquer it. Or maybe depression or anxiety rules your thoughts. And that is, it's overcome you. And your, your thoughts of the, the sadness or the hurt or the inability to do something or the abandonment. Has anyone been abandoned by a friend, by a family, by a situation? And those thoughts are swirling in your head. First Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Those thoughts of less than, those thoughts of they don't like me, those thoughts of no one will like me, those thoughts of my depression is my life now, my life doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if I go to church, I'm never going to be well, those thoughts go against the knowledge of God. You know that? All those negative thoughts, those go against what God's, God's knowledge is. Those go against him. And we need to demolish those. When I think of demolishing, have you guys ever been in the kids' church room when they get out the magnetiles and like the little ones build up these giant things? I'm like, how did you do that? And then one little booger comes through, it's normally my son, and goes whoosh, and they crash the whole thing. And then usually there's tears from other kids that their creation got crashed, but they demolish it and they demolish it hard. That's what we need to do to the negative thoughts. That's how, that's how Joseph was able to do it. Do you want Joseph prosperity? Do you want Joseph blessing? We have to demolish those thoughts because they're not serving us at all. At all, at all, at all. Um, Hebrews 3.1 says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. That was Joseph's way to get through it. I mean, I haven't had 20 years of suffering like Joseph. I mean, if you look at that, the end of the famine, 20 years, and I don't know at what point after, sorry, after the prosperity years when the famine started, I don't know what year his brother showed up. I don't know if he expected it, but that's a long time to be suffering. When we have those thoughts, those negative thoughts, like find one, you all have one, right? You guys all have something that's hurtful or hard or challenging in your life, yes? Okay, so find that thought. Okay, we're going to label them. Ready? Those are turd thoughts, okay? I'm going to see it a lot up here since I have permission, okay? Do you have your turd thought? How do we get rid of those? I mean, that's the key, right? Like, let's, you know, we need a how-to on how to do it. What's Joseph's key? Okay, so we're calling our turd thoughts. Everyone got your turd thought? Ready? Okay, so you're going to picture yourself going over to your friend's house that has kids, little kids. You can pretend you're at my house, okay? My little boys. This is a better visual. Okay, you go over to my house. Okay, and you're like hanging out, whatever. Jen, can I use your potty? I'm like, yeah, my potty's right there. Go ahead. And you go in the bathroom and you open up the toilet and oh, someone didn't flush. I promise it was a little boy, it wasn't me. Someone didn't flush, and there is a swirling turd in there. You know what happens? Those gross people out. They ruin everything. You know that? They're stinky. It's it ruins everything, right? And that's what your negative thoughts do. They're like a turd that's been stewing and swirling. And the most important thing we can do for those turds is to flush them down, right? Okay, so we need a grand flusher of turd thoughts, okay? So my, this is what, when I was praying about this over the last few weeks, I'm like, how do we flush the turds, God? Um, he was like, we're going to cover it in my word, okay? So pick your turd thought, you got it? I'm using Psalm 27, and I encourage all of you guys to pick a specific verse for this, because no matter who we are or how successful we are or how wonderful our life is at this moment, there's always something that the enemy is trying to use to pull you back. 
And for Joseph, he had a lot trying to pull him back over and over again. And he stuck the course and look what he accomplished. Just the reconciliation of his family alone. I mean, there might, you, there might be some of you out here who have family issues where you have strife or there needs to be reconciliation. Like use Joseph as like an encouragement of that many people that could come back together and be reunited. That's, that's just incredible to me. But sorry, tangent. We're, we're talking about turd thoughts. The great flusher of turd thoughts is God's word. So what I'm doing, and I want to encourage you all to put this over those thoughts, is I picked my verse, and I um, was on my devotionals when I was, like, praying about this, and God was like, do this. And um, so whenever that thought starts to come, whenever I start to feel that, like, pain seep in, I'm covering it in Psalm 27. Okay, can I have that verse, Chance? Is it up here? He's going to pop it up here in a second. Um, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I will not fear the pain it's not real. What God says is real. What he says is true. That is real in my life. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Pastor Steve, who said stronghold up here? Somebody said that word up here. The Lord is a stronghold of my, maybe Kim said it. Somebody said it. The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? I will, I will fear nothing. I will dread nothing because God is a stronghold of my life. Not the pain, not the depression, not the anxiety, not the ill health. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. When evildoers come against me to devour my flesh, my foes and enemies, they stumble and fall. The pain will stumble and fall. The sadness will stumble and fall. The depression will stumble and fall because the Lord is my stronghold and he promises that he will be there with me. Though an army deploys against me, my heart will not be afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, could there be anything else? I will be confident because the Lord is my stronghold. Jesus is my stronghold. So we call that down. We call that down. So whatever it is, hurt, pain, offense, illness, depression, anxiety, abandonment, all of those things, we're going to cover all of those things in God's word because that's what true, what is true. It says in Philippians 4, 8, it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, admirable, excellent, think about these things. Think about them. Think about them. Don't be thinking about the negative. Don't be thinking about the turds because the turds are not acknowledging God in their life, but what is lovely, what is true. You are loved. You are precious. You are intended. You are special. You are needed. You are useful. Those things, those are all the things that we want to put our, our hearts on and our thoughts on because we want to be a church that affects change. I mean, in a, in a smaller scale, like I want to be a perfect person that affects change. Your family needs to affect change. Yes? If I can affect change in my family and you can affect change in your family, and I'm not talking just the people that are here, the people that are your extended family, and you can affect change within your church, who can stand against this church? Nobody. There's no one that can come against this church. And not just that, like, yes, being here for our church, helping our church to grow and affect more lives for the kingdom, that is what it's about. But it doesn't just stop there because God doesn't just care about who's in this building or who's in the church across the street. He cares about the homeless people. He cares about the people that would rather go to Big Five on Sunday and not know who Jesus is. He cares about the greater Vancouver area. He cares about this world. And if you want to fall into your Joseph prosperity and your Joseph blessing, we've got to get our thoughts under control. Because we want the overflow of our heart to be what our mouth speaks. And we want that to be of God. Right, family? I'm going to have you guys all stand with me. And I'm going to call the worship team forward here. We need to be captivating our thoughts. Because we want that Joseph prosperity. What if our our church does end up being the second largest church in the nation? Just like Joseph was the second largest figure in ancient Egypt. How incredible would that be? What kind of influence can we have? Can we handle the prosperity 
enough to survive through the famine like Joseph? Yes, we can, because there is nothing that is gonna come against us that we can't conquer without God. Um, we're gonna sing this last song here. This is another way to flush turds, guys, by singing worship, okay? You can cover it in, um, in, in prayer. You can cover it in a scripture, and I encourage you all to do that. Mine's on my mirror at home so I can see it every day, but I encourage you to find somewhere to put your turd flushing scripture so that you can see it because those things are gonna crop up, I promise. They're gonna crop up. Um, this next song that we're gonna sing together as a family um, is perfect for turd flushing, you guys. It says that, God, I give you glory for all you've brought me through. Joseph had to have been saying that because God brought him through so much, so much, so much more than we've gone through, a lot of us. It says, your grace has been enough. The best is yet to come. By faith, I see miracles. That had to have been Joseph's posture. By faith, God, I'm gonna see a miracle. I'm in prison, even though I've done the right things, but God, I'm gonna see a miracle. That's what I pray over our church, that we are able to be fruitful, that we're able to see the Joseph prosperity by using those keys. We're gonna claim God over all things. We're gonna use our giftings and discover more of them and use them in the house and use them to glorify God with how we talk about it. And we're gonna get control of the thoughts that pull us away from God. And we are going to honor the thoughts that push us towards God and push us towards that prosperity. Yes? You guys wanna pray with me? Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your guidance. Thank you for all the things that you have for this church. I pray a blessing over this church that we are able to use our giftings effectively for you, God. I pray for the thoughts of everyone in this church. They be turned to you, God, so that the joy that you have for us, the joy of the Lord would be our strength, God. I pray today that as our family goes out, that we are lifted up in you, Jesus, and that you're with us every day and that your word is fresh on our tongues, Jesus. Thank you for this day. Bless your people. In your precious name we pray, amen. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at c3swwa.com for more information about our church. 